0: Welcome back, everybody, to the 94th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms the Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we're going to talk about how to be a mindful mama. Most of you know that I'm passionate about dialing down the drama, and many of you have read my book, Dial Down the Drama. Having been a family therapist for 28 years and raising my own daughter, I know that a huge challenge for moms is to not parent from a place of reactivity which because of how we are biologically wired, it's difficult to do, and since this has been one of the most stressful years we've ever had, it's even more challenging. However, I am passionate for moms to learn how to parent intentionally and to be a model for their teens. Our guest today shares these passions, and she's going to talk about how mindfulness is a superpower that parents need, how mindfulness meditation actually changes the brain, and how to practice mindfulness. Hunter Clark Fields, M-S-A-E-R-Y-T, is a Mindful Mama mentor. Hunter is the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, and widely followed author of Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactivity Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids." She helps parents bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. So welcome, Hunter. Thank you, Colleen. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I am so happy that you're here. Uh, Yeah, so so there are challenges every day for moms, right? Like Mm you just had a challenge today. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I was thinking about you talking about calming reactivity because I <laughs> well, Colleen Colleen knows we had some technical difficulties getting to talk today and I had a tree go out down outside my studio and I came to another place and I had to find power and I'm crawling on the floor to find a power cord and and you know all those things leave you leave the, the heart elevate and things like that, but it was really nice like as you read that intro. I'm sitting here on the floor of the sound booth because my power cord only goes so far and I just started to <laughs> breathe.
0: And, uh, and I thought,
1: okay, I'm using those tools and they're coming in handy right now.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. So moms, I just want to let you know that Hunter is one of us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and she, in fact, she has uh, two daughters, one who's 10 and one who's 13. So, Hunter, how did you get interested in mindfulness and meditation practices?
1: Well, I got interested as kind of a, a person just sort of desperate for some relief myself. I was, I've was i always been a really highly sensitive person, um, highly sensitive kid. I was one of those really up and really down kind of kids that's really frustrating to parent. And I, by the time I was a teenager, I was kind of searching around for something to Help! I discovered books on mindfulness, and and those books were really inspiring, and they helped me calm down quite a lot. Like when I would read them, and then and then about a, a decade later, I was able to actually implement the the practices <laughs> in a mer- more real way. I think I had to go in my own kind of youth youthful way, from like more active movement based stuff, into finally was able to to sit. And I did have some of my own misconceptions about what meditation was but when I was finally able to do it about a decade later I it made a profound difference in my life so it you know it's just been this practice of peace of bringing much more equanimity to my life you know I used to fall into these pits for like 27 years of my life you know that was why I was yeah. 27 when I started my meditation practice and and I would fall into these pits. I'd have panic attacks outside the high school where I used to teach art and I didn't have those after that. You know, I just didn't fall into like the pit of rumination and, and difficulty that I, I used to. It really was a big game changer for me. Oh, it's so great.
0: That is great. Could you define what is mindfulness to the moms who are listening and how can that help your parenting? So that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, mindfulness
1: is, it can be practiced in many different ways. And what it is basically is it's intentionally, you know, so very consciously and intentionally putting your attention, you know, your awareness and your attention in the present moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. So it's, it's really about, we we focus initially maybe on the breath because that's always here in the present moment or sounds or a sense of touch. And it's very different from the way we normally are because we're normally kind of on autopilot. We're pretty reactionary. We're always thinking ahead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. and And that's normal. That's like how the human brain, how we survived, right? Yes. <laughs> and evolved. But so mindfulness is is intentionally kind of breaking that habit of autopilot and coming back to the present and saying, okay, what is here now? How can I can I be curious about this? Can I rather than laying a quick judgment or a label on it. Can I be open to what I see and what I find here as if I'm seeing, as if I'm in this present moment for the first time ever, which is actually true. And so that in a nutshell is mindfulness. So you could do that while you're washing dishes or while you're listening to a podcast or while you're, while you're with your children, you know, and then the formal practice, a formal practice, one of the formal practices of mindfulness is a mindfulness meditation where we sit down often, seated meditation, and we cut out all the other distractions so that then we start to see how wackadoodle our own minds are. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, and then we uh, practice to bring our attention back 50,000 times to whatever we've decided we're going to pay attention to in the present moment. And it doesn't feel like amazing at the time. It's, the, you know, the, we have the idea, this erroneous idea that. We're supposed to clear our minds, and it's going to be all like blissful, and there's going to be sparkles that shoot out of our nose. But <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, that's not so. But it does have these amazing can have these really wonderful effects outside of the the seat in your life, where people start to notice you're a little calmer. People start your family starts to notice you're a little less reactive. You're a little more present, and it, and it actually changes the brain, which we can talk about too. But does that make sense as far as a basic definition? Yeah, no,
0: that's a great basic definition for sure. So yeah, so you're kind of going there. So I'm going to ask you the question. So how does mindfulness meditation change the brain? It's really pretty neat. You know, it's it's funny because we think of it as like this airy-fairy
1: thing and, you know, like who knows what's happening there, right? Like, yes. yeah, but but it's pretty neat. Like they've done these brain scans. Well, first of all, they've done like all these studies, like Johns Hopkins compiled 47 different studies that showed that med- mindfulness meditation uh, reduces anxiety, reduces depression, increases well-being, improves quality of sleep. All it improves health outcomes, all kinds of amazing positive effects. And then when they did the brain scans, which is really neat, they put meditators in an MRI machine, and they did these brain scans. And what they saw is really cool. So they, it actually literally changes the shape of the brain, which is so cool. So in our brain, in the um, earliest evolved parts of the brain, like right near the, the neck and the brainstem, there's these there's the the root of the the limbic system, which is our, our our fight, flight, or freeze system. And there's these two little almond-shaped things called the amygdalae, and they're like the the body's like alarm bells, like ah, there's a threat. Be yes. alert. You know, <laughs> yes. Um, how I felt when that tree came down outside <laughs> nice my studio. Anyway, so those amygdala are there. They're like the body's seat of that body's fight, flight, or freeze system, right? And there, and then there's in another part of the brain we have the prefrontal cortex, which is basically right behind our forehead, which is that we can tend to think of it. It's very complex, interconnected organ but we tend to think of the prefrontal cortex as the seed of like reasoning, empathy, uh, verbal ability, problem solving, all this higher order thinking stuff. And so what is really really cool is that so first, it, it helps to understand that you've probably talked about this of course that yes. the 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 limbic system, the amygdala, they they basically like bypass the upper part of the brain when the threat response is is activated when we're, we're under stress so that yes. we can react instantly, right? So, you know, so we want to save our children from the saber-toothed tiger proverbial. And so that's great. That's how we evolved with this reactionary parenting. And that's, you know, that makes sense. But what's really cool is that the mindfulness meditation MRI studies show that the gray matter in the amygdala, that alarm bell system, actually decreases in density and the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex actually increases in density. And what's more, the connecti- the connectivity between the amygdala and the rest of the brain weakens. So it really it reduces reactivity. You know, we can see that in our behavior and our feelings and things like that. But it, we
0: can also see it in the brain, which is really, really neat. Oh, my God. That is so cool. I didn't know that. So... I'm a very much a geek with neuroscience. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. It is crazy, isn't it? That they are able to see, uh, they've seen so much with the teenage brain, but that is so cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's interesting because
1: it's really, we tend to think of it as this sort of airy fairy thing, but it really is just like, this is like a, if we want to lower reactivity, right? Here's a way to build that muscle in the brain. If we don't ever practice right and build this muscle in the calm times, then when we want to have it in the difficult times, it's not going to be there. We can't just will ourselves to be, to react in different ways that just doesn't work. Like, I don't know if you've tried this to your listener, But like just wanting to to react in a different way, usually it it works, I don't know, like has a pretty low like effectiveness rate, right? But if we practice, well, how we want to respond instead, we practice to lower our reactivity. If we practice to shift those habits, that's what really makes the lasting change.
0: Yeah, I have wanted someone like you to be on my podcast for so long. Because we are living in such a stressful, stressful time as moms, even prior to COVID. And our teens, especially our girls, anxiety and depression are on the increase. Like this mindfulness is such an answer to what we're all going through. I'm a big believer in downtime and the importance of downtime. I think the problem in our culture is we're not having natural downtime And so we have to be intentional about things like mindfulness and meditation, or it's not going to happen, which takes me to your next. Yeah. Yes. I know I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) What I love is I love to have guests who have teens because we're like in it. And so we're not just throwing out advice that we haven't lived. And there's nothing like your daughter or your teen that, can trigger you like nothing else could trigger you as much as they, they can. So we need we need to practice that muscle when we're not triggered. Absolutely. How do you <laughs> how do you practice <laughs> mindfulness? So I do I I'm a big proponent.
1: You can practice mindfulness of washing the dishes and all of those things of brushing your teeth. Those are all really, really wonderful practices, but I actually am a big proponent of having a time where you sit down And you have a formal meditation practice. And the reason why I'm a big advocate of that is that generally we say, okay, if we're going to fit in mindfulness, like as we're going about our day, we just forget, you know, we just don't, you know, you'll make it happen for maybe a week and then you forget. And so when we make a habit in our daily lives, like where every morning I get up and I, and just sit down, maybe even just for five minutes or 10 minutes or three minutes, we make this habit of pausing and sitting still with all of our stuff coming up, all of our fidgetiness and our restlessness and the thought of, oh, I can't do this, and all of that stuff comes up. As we sit with that, we're practicing that non-reactivity that we need, right, to be Mm -hmm. able to create that space between stimulus and response, to be able to respond. So I'm a big proponent of, making a little bit of time every day and just starting out with a habit. Three minutes every day is better than 20 minutes twice a year. You know, So <laughs> <Right>. uh, <clears throat> making a habit and of just taking a moment to settle our reactivity, to notice what's coming up with us, to practice. We can practice by focusing on the feeling of breathing. For some people that's not supportive. So maybe focusing on the feeling of our body sitting um, or the sounds in our, in our environment. And it's nothing special. Like it's like you sit down and you, we think, Oh, it's going to be this, like, you know, you see these beautiful images of like the Buddha and, and, and et cetera. And it's, it's not like, you know, there's this serenity just descends upon you. It's not what happens, but what happens is that outside of your life, as you start to build this little practice of non being non-reactive, then you start to build that muscle little bit by little bit by little bit. And you start to be able to
0: use that in the rest of your life. So what can moms expect when they first sit down so that they don't give up?
1: Well, you can certainly expect that you'll notice like a certain ache or pain that you didn't notice before very quickly <laughs> I recommend sitting in a comfortable chair and that, you know don't sit down on the floor cross-legged if if that isn't comfortable for you. Moms can expect if it's something that's different from, you know, your normal life that you'll probably sit down and you'll feel you'll you'll say, "Okay, I'm going to focus on my breath," or maybe you'll follow a guided meditation which I think is a good idea, especially as we're beginning to have some, a teacher to guide you, but you'll, you can see that you'll have a sense of fidgetiness. Like you'll notice like, oh, I just want to get up. Oh, I just want to do that. You may notice that you'll feel like, oh, I spent three minutes just planning something. And then now I, I finally notice that I'm coming back to my breath. You'll notice that your mind takes you away and you don't realize it. You know, you're know, you just lost in thought. And that's very normal and that's very natural. We're not trying to stop thinking. The, the mind thinks just like the ears hear. <laughs> and so that's what happens. But instead we're trying to build the muscle of attention. So like every time that you notice that you're lost in thought, that's like, oh yes, that's like your golden moment. That's like, when you do the rep in the gym right when you pull that bicep up and you bring your attention back to the feeling of your breath then that's when you're you're remembering like you're literally coming back to the present and you're you're building that muscle and it's a really beautiful time and you'll notice if when you say that you have to do that 5 times 50 times 500 times like it hap- our our minds are like crazy monkeys that just go yes. all over the place and yes. that's normal. It does there's nothing special about you if your mind flies all over the place. I've been meditating now for over 15 years and my my mind wanders plenty too. So that's just part of the process. It's really about looking to the outside of our practice of uh, the sitting meditation period that we want to look for some results.
0: Um, any tips for those who, I mean, this is great, but any more tips for moms who are trying to figure out how to do this? Sure. It's hard to do by yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like that we shouldn't be,
1: you know, we should get some support, you know, maybe there's a friend that you're interested in. Maybe, you know, we have people in in the mindful mama community and in the mindful parenting community that support each other, right? It's kind of not, it's hard to do some of these things in a vacuum. It's helpful to read about it, to get support, to learn about it so that you don't feel like you're all alone (laughs) on another planet while everyone in your, your house is like watching the morning TV or whatever they're doing. It's really helpful to get some support and maybe even, you know, solicit a friend. Does anyone want to try with you? I think that's really helpful and just to to learn about it and then also lower your expectations to Give, make it really easy at first. Don't set the bar real high. Give yourself a couple weeks where you just sit for three minutes. And then after that feels normal, you up it to five minutes. And then after that feels normal, you try 10 minutes and then, and then give it, give yourself time. Just like building muscle at the gym. You don't have triceps right away. <laughs> you, know, you, haven't, <laughs> you don't get this cut muscle right away. It's the same thing with your brain and your reactivity. It does. Things don't happen right away. But it really is lasting change that can happen over a long time. So it really does help to give yourself a lot of support in the beginning, especially and, and learn and inspire yourself to keep, keep going. And then after that, you start to feel better. You start to notice when you haven't done it. And you're like, oh, I feel a little cuckoo today. Oh, I didn't do my meditation. And it's just so it starts to feed on it itself. But things like doubts will come up. Uh, I'm not, am I doing this right? That's a big one, and I think it's helpful to kind of know that there's not like a real wrong way to do it. As long as we're just coming back to the present, you're not going to do it really longly. You'll have maybe anxieties might come up, or you might feel different thoughts can plague you and worries, or just simply busy lives, and and those are kind of obstacles to our practice. But they're all surmountable. You know, I think if we can spend 5 minutes on Instagram, <laughs> we can spend <laughs> 5 minutes for ourselves doing this. You know, it's we have to really kind of give ourselves a little prod and it just feels really good ultimately. It as we may becomes part of our lives not just in our parenting, but like every part of our life we benefit from clearer thinking, more equanimity. We can be there, really be there for other people when we're not so distracted and on autopilot and zooming ahead in the future in our own minds.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's really helpful. So you have this new book called Raising Good Humans. And so I, which is a great book. So I just wrote down a few things that maybe you can talk a little bit more about. Can you talk about like the beginner's mind and what that has to do with parenting?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, The beginner's mind is this basic attitude of mindfulness, a term coined by a, some Zen master or something way back in the day, but I'm sure I quoted it correctly in the book. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> beginner's mind is this idea of just exactly that, seeing everything as a beginner. And with our kids, we tend to be on autopilot too, right? We're, we're just going, we're getting the next thing done and the next thing done and the next thing done. And we tend to be with our kids and, and we tend to kind of take shortcuts there too. That's just what the brain does. Honestly, it it takes shortcuts to preserve energy, but we label our kids. We tend to say, you're the the athletic one. You're the difficult one. The idea of beginner's mind is to help us to see our children with fresh eyes. You know, what if you were an alien beam down into your household and you're meeting your, or maybe you're not an alien, but you're just meeting your child for the first time. <laughs> <clears throat> and what would you see, you know, like maybe you can bring this attitude of who are you today to this moment? You know, who, who are you today? Can I be curious about what you're interested in and, and what are your fears and <clears throat> your desires and your, your passions and and all the things in your life, and because it really is true, our kids are just changing and growing, and they're everything so rapidly, especially teenagers. My God, I can't keep up with what is the YouTube, what is the YouTube celebrity that you're really into right now? Um, and then I start sounding really sus, okay, according to my teenager. <laughs> but if we bring this idea of curiosity then we can just be open to who are they in this moment, which I think is, is just a really beautiful thing to bring to a relationship rather than all the baggage that we normally do.
0: Yeah, no, that is so true. Having a beginner's mind is good for all relationships. And like you said, that we don't see them as this one word like you are a liar or you are lazy or you are this just to see all these amazing characteristics that make up your teen and often we miss the good stuff so I love that okay so can you talk a little bit more about uh, loving kindness practice absolutely I love to talk about loving kindness
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't know dear listener about you but you you may you may be a little hard on yourself sometimes (laughs) when you're right like we're just really hard on ourselves I think culturally this is a thing like at least in the culture in the United States like we tend to be kind of judgmental and hard on ourselves and unfortunately that really doesn't it's not helpful. Like it doesn't help to be all judgy and harsh and mean to yourself. In fact, it it doesn't make you a better parent. In fact, it kind of does the opposite. And so this idea of loving kindness practice, I offer it as a practice. And loving kindness can be practiced towards others and can be practiced towards ourselves. But specifically as a practice towards ourselves to start to generate some loving, compassionate feeling towards ourselves. Because we don't realize that we can't give what we don't have. Brene Brown talks about that in her research, right. um, that you cannot give what you do not have. And if you know, and if you're like mean and harsh and terrible to yourself, if your inner voice is like that, like, then eventually that's gonna come through to your child that you can't hide that from them. I remember my mom who, I remember her looking in the mirror and saying to herself, I'm so ugly. And Mm. of course I did that too. The same thing when I was a teen in my early twenties, I looked in the mirror, I told myself I was so ugly and how terrible that was. And, and so it was like, I was kind of repeating this generational pattern. It's not, she didn't intend of course, for me to, to pass that down to me. But the truth is, is that this inner voice eventually comes out when you're, you're like an orange, right? When you're squeezed, you know, you're not going to get pineapple juice out of this orange. You're going to get whatever's inside is going to come out. Right. And so it really helps us to start to transform that inner voice into one that's a little kinder, a little more compassionate, a little more accepting of our imperfections and our humanities. And as we can offer this to ourselves, we can offer this, to our kids more easily, we can start to be more accepting and loving for them too. And and it feels weird at first, right? To say, oh, may I, may I be peaceful? May I be happy, right? Like it feels strange and like awkward, but it's also a a muscle that can be built, which is very cool. You know, it's, it's, it's something that can, we can learn and grow and cultivate and practice, which is really exciting.
0: Yes. So moms, you're going to want to check that out because that's some good stuff. Uh, Can you talk about your mantras for patience? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I have to share my personal mantra, which I have a tendency for impatience and squeezing things in is, thou shalt not squeeze, (laughs) which I don't think I put that in the book.
0: (laughs) Thou shalt not squeeze. But um... (laughs) Oh, I love that. I'm guilty of that myself. Yeah. Well, it's interesting
1: because whenever we hurry, no matter what we're doing, Whenever we hurry, our nervous system perceives that as a threat because why would we be hurrying if there wasn't some threat, right? Like this is like our, just the nervous system we evolved in. It makes so much sense. It's really interesting. So if, if you hurry, right. thou shalt not squeeze. I think you're referring to the ones that to help us sort of taint, calm our, our temper and, and things like that. You know, some of the things I think that are, are helpful to the mantras that are helpful are like, uh. I'm helping my child. I think that's really helpful to mm-hmm. kind of st- yeah. st- step ourselves out of the threat. I'm feeling I'm an animal threatened response and into the nurturer response. You know, you can think of like, I'm a ninja mom. <laughs> or <laughs> Breathe in, calm, breathe out, peace. You know, some mm-hmm. different mantras to just, and, or even just putting a hand to our heart and telling ourselves like, I'm safe. I'm safe right now. Because that's telling our nervous system that it's okay, we're safe. We don't have to have this big threat response that, you know, the nervous system is reacting with.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. What I liked about that is you're showing these moms how they can be intentional. So instead of just walking into a situation and being impatient, like you can choose to say a mantra that helped, like you said, helps calm down the nervous system, be more intentional instead of reactive. So I think that was great. Um, Also, can you talk about the mindful path through difficult feelings? You said the RAIN acronym. Mm -hmm. This piece is so, so
1: important because we just weren't, uh, most of us, like if you're anything like me, you just weren't taught how to take care of your difficult feelings. You're just told not to have them. Right. Right. Uh You know, (laughs) like don't cry, don't be sad, you know, and that's silly. So we're kind of taught to either stuff our feelings down. We we're on this weird continuum where where we're either stuffing our feelings down or we're kind of like exploding with them. Right. Yeah. Um, Or drowning in them, which are basically two sides of the same thing. Um, Then the stuffing our feelings down, isn't that, I don't think we need to go into like, that's just not terribly helpful. Right. It's like, Right. I, I like to think of it as like a beach ball, right? Like we're shoving this beach ball of feelings under the water and it's just gonna pop up with more force, you know, with more instability some point later, right? And it just yes. adds all this instability. And then drowning in them isn't very helpful either Or exploding because then you're just incapacitized. There's a middle path and the middle path when we have difficult feelings is to take care of them, to mindfully feel them. I really think our, our feelings are a lot like toddlers. <laughs> and yes. that's, you know, when you have a three-year-old, if they have something to say to you, they are just gonna dog you and to, until they have let you know what they have to say, right, like they, they will just be heard. And our feelings are the same way, like, you know, they want to be seen and heard, like we have to see, feel them to process them. And to be able to ultimately let them go. RAIN is an acronym for uh, recognize, accept or allow, investigate, and then nurture with self-compassion, nurture or nourish. And this is just a process for us to mindfully feel those feelings. So we we recognize them first. We say, oh, hello, frustration. I see you there. You know, ah. Uh, This is what frustration feels like. Ah, you know, just recognizing it. And then that step of A, accept or allow. And this feels kind of funny, right? Like we're going to accept or allow it. But, you know, fighting it doesn't do any good. It's already there. It's kind of silly, right? So we have, when we accept, we're just making space for it. Okay. Ah, this is here. This is what it feels like. This frustration is here. Okay. Yes, give you know, giving some yes energy to this, you know, because it's already here. you know, the resistance makes it just more stuck. So we want to all practice to accept it. And then investigate what is this hurt part of ourselves needing? Why is this arising right now? And you know, we all have difficult feelings. They all arise in different moments. And when we can understand with awareness the roots of them, then we can better take care of them and take care of the roots of these difficult feelings. And then, of course, nourish with self-compassion is the what we talked about, right? Like it's it's not helpful to say that what's wrong with you for having these feelings. You're a terrible first person for being angry or frustrated or whatever it is. That doesn't help. Instead, if you had a friend who was hurting, who was suffering in the way that you're suffering with these difficult feelings, what might you say to her? How can you offer your some grace and a soft landing in this moment to help you better just walk through this? And then be more present on the other side for whatever life is giving you or whatever new thing is happening (laughs) with your teen. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, that's great. Um, Last thing I'm going to ask you about, can you talk a little bit, Hunter, about mindful listening? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, But mindful listening is, you know, we often kind of go into this relationship with our kids with our agenda. Please put away the darn clean dishes. Why don't you? Um, so, yes. um, but it's a relationship just like any other relationship. And that means that we need to attend and listen. And so mindful listening is, mm-hmm. is really bringing that intention to be put our attention on the present moment with kindness and curiosity. So can we rest our bodies? Can we give our kids eye contact? Can we be quiet and hear what they're saying does it when we listen it doesn't necessarily mean we accept everything they're saying but we can can we hear them out and be curious about what are they saying and and what are the feelings of you know behind it what is the content what are they not saying you know Mm -hmm. as we start to practice mindfulness in our listening we start to let go of the planning of what how what our response is going to be and how we're going to prove that we're right (laughs) and and instead bring bring this curiosity to this moment what is really going on with you can I really bring this curiosity there to you know it's like other focused rather than self-focused
0: no that's great I often think that our first go-to as moms is we're like these mother birds that like to stuff everything we can down our little <laughs> baby bird's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know,
1: Colleen, there's actually a, a quote about mine, about this, I think is, is, for I like to share it because it's, for me, it's really a big driving force. So my teacher, what my main teacher in mindfulness has been, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, And he has, he has this quote that says, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there?
0: Oh, that's a great quote, right?
1: Yeah. Right. And it's just like, yeah, like that's what we can offer when we love our teens is we can just be there, right? Sometimes it's, we don't have to have the right answer. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't we don't have to be able to have the perfect response, but just being able to really, really be there with our presence and our love is a, is a real gift.
0: Yeah, and that takes a lot of the pressure off of moms, like you said, to have the perfect thing to say. You, you can let all that go. And like you said, just be present
1: yeah, it, yeah. in fact, like letting go the perfect response is is how we're present, right? It's just like you don't, it, yeah, I mean, sometimes we don't know what to say, but just being there really matters.
0: Mm, that's great. It's in December that we're gonna be launching this podcast, and this is the holidays, and there's a lot of stress, but then there's a lot of stress all year round, really. So I'm wondering, could you lead us in some kind of a meditation for the moms out there? absolutely i'd be happy to okay awesome
1: all right so i invite you to find a comfortable seat if you've been listening to this while you're folding laundry or washing the dishes take a moment to pause and sit down and put both feet on the ground and reach your spine up tall inhale roll your shoulders up exhale and back and down softener close your eyes and let's just start with a big deep breath into the belly and a big sigh out and you can dear listener be as loud as you want no one's listening to you big breath in big loud sigh and then just allow yourself allow your body to do the breathing in whatever way is comfortable for you and just relax the muscles around the eyes let the forehead become smooth let your jaw fall slack even let your tongue relax all the way down to the root of the tongue And as you soften the face, you can even lift the two corners of the mouth just a little bit to feel a sense of a smile on the inside of your mouth and see how that feels. And let your belly expand with the inhales. And let your body feel a little heavier with the exhales. softening the hands and softening the hands again. And from here, you can notice the feeling of breathing. Maybe feel it most at your nose. The air coming in the nostrils, the warmer air coming out. Maybe you feel it more at your chest or even your belly. If the feeling of breathing is not supportive for you, just feel the sense of your body touching the chair, your feet on the floor. And see if you can just for the next three breaths, just pick a, pick one of those spots. They're going to be an anchor. And to bring your attention to that area of breathing or touch. As if you were an alien beamed down into your body and you've never been here before and you're curious about it. You may notice that your mind quickly wanders, and that's not a problem. We just bring our attention back to that anchor and just let our body relax. Re-soften the jaw and the eyes if they've become a little tighter. Just letting our energy settle like a pool of water stirred up with mud, just letting letting that mud settle. Letting your body slow down, noticing your breath and noticing that you are here, alive, and it's pretty cool. As you breathe, there may be things you notice in your body, tightnesses and anxieties from the year if you're listening it in real time we've just been through 2020 which oh my goodness so that's okay that's allowed if you notice feelings and sensations and tightnesses in the body just greet them oh hello hello anxiety I see you there and make yourself wider allow your awareness to be wider to hold it all to make space and room for it all in your awareness. And there's nothing to fix, nothing to change. Maybe maybe nice to end like this, putting a a hand to the heart and maybe in the other hand on top, just noticing that sense of touch. Recognizing that you, like all of us suffer and have difficulties and have had disappointments and worries and all kinds of things. And just like all of us, You want to be happy, you want to be present. And so I invite you to think of yourself, think of yourself either as you are now or as maybe as a four-year-old child, all your innocence. And I invite you to say these words to yourself silently as I say them out loud. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. It's okay if it feels awkward or strange. Let's just try it again. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be truly happy. And then just expanding your awareness out wider to your your family, to your community, like a zooming out to the whole blue-green planet. And I invite you to say this to yourself as I say it out loud. May all beings, may all of us be filled with loving kindness. May all of us be well. May all of us be peaceful and at ease. And may all of us be happy. We'll end with a deep breath in. And letting it out. And gently opening your eyes.
0: Oh my goodness, that was great. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. It's been really a... Pleasure to talk to you and it feels good for me too. Every time I, I feel very lucky that part of my job is to guide people through meditation because it always brings me back to
0: yeah, yeah. So we're gonna wind this podcast up. So, how can these moms contact you and where can they find your book, Raising Good Humans? Sure. Raising good humans is
1: everywhere books are sold. coming out in hardcover soon. It's exciting. Um, and moms can find me at mindfulmamamentor.com which is, has the, has the book. It has the mindful parenting membership. It has the mindful mama podcast. And of course the mindful mama podcast is anywhere you listen to podcasts. Cause I know you're a podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the behind the scenes you can find of my life at, on Instagram at mindful mama mentor.
0: Okay. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for your time today. And this is going to be really, really helpful to so many moms. And I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I really appreciate the space and that you've created. It's really beautiful.
0: Well, thank you. And may your day be peaceful. And no more trees. <laughs> yes, no, no more trees
1: cutting coming down at my house. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give... How You're Parenting Moms with Teens podcast, a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, you can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.